Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 19 years' experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider. Also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals for over 20 years with planning. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. Yeah, you can also go to uh, our website, moneymd.net, and we have a link in the top right-hand corner. And, Steve, we also have a new way that listeners can can tune in to us. Oh, well, how's that? Yeah, they can go to moneymd.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. So money, uh, moneymd dot podbean.com and we have our podcast out there from all the shows uh for the whole year so they can go back there and just listen to a show anytime any, they want at any point download it that's right uh, yeah that's that that's an awesome way to listen it is very cool we it is some good feedback it on is. that from folks yeah that's great and then we also can uh uh use the tune in radio app on your smartphone it's a great way to listen i think there's also an italk us uh app that you can put on your smartphone and so you can listen to us yep. anytime you want on your smartphone. Um, you can set it up to record, so that it record the show, and you can have that on your smartphone. You can listen later if yep. you get the pro version of it. So, yeah, that's a great way. That's the, that's the way I like to listen to the station. All right, um, and uh, Gordon Leopard is here with us again today, uh, advisor in our office. Welcome, Gordon. Thanks, Steve. Glad to be here, man. All right, and uh, so we have a great show lineup for today. Um, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about here is what do we do if market's correct? Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of headlines. <laughs> there is a lot of headlines about that. A couple and, things uh, going on over in, in Russia, um, you know, international, kind of spooking the markets a little bit. But yeah, I think one of the things we look at, Steve, is um, we understand history very well. No one can predict the, the future, right? People try to do it all the time. Um, but you can take some guidance and some get some uh Relieve some of the stress when you look back at history, and we're going to put that in perspective with, yeah, this, exactly. with this discussion. Getting some historical perspective, I think, yes. is very, very important. So it's a good article from American Funds. And then um, we also have a couple other articles. We have taxes um, that can bite you in retirement, a U.S. News and World Report article. We're going to talk about some of the taxes in retirement you need to look out for. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to follow up here with yeah, we got a, our, our friend Dave Ramsey has a, a good article about 10 things Americans waste money on. And we'll, we'll get in there. And as you know, as we go through the, the article and discussion, it'll, it'll come out that uh, it comes from Dave. He has some pretty unique ways of uh, putting his uh, thoughts and opinion out here. But he's right on some of these. And yeah. I can actually relate to one or two of these. So. Yeah, I can relate to a couple of these. But, you know, it's, it's a lot more than 10, right? But oh, we're yeah. just going to highlight That's 10 right. common That's ones right. here. So. 
That's a good one. All right, we're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this financial fact is from a, a Morningstar article that I recently pulled. Had a tremendous amount of information on long-term care insurance. We get a lot of questions from clients and, and folks in the community about long-term care. And, and one of the stats is that 60 67% of Americans age 65 or older will need some form of long-term care um, in their lifetime. So about two-thirds of people need some form of care. Now, that care can be in a nursing home. It could be uh, at-home care right. is another type of care. But uh, many people will, will need long-term care. And, and uh, Dave Ramsey is a big proponent of long-term care insurance. From our perspective, we we look at it and want to make sure that it's needed. Sometimes people are self-insured. You kind of want to go through that process. Or sometimes people are, you know... Uh, low enough income level they really can't afford the insurance and and they don't have enough assets to really worry about it i mean they'll spend that down and go on medicaid that's right and so you know it just depends on where you fall and what your concerns are and i wouldn't i would also put in perspective the 67 percent of americans that will need some type of long-term care that doesn't mean a long-term care insurance policy would help them because the average stay is only like a couple months in a long-term in a nursing home well, it depends uh, people. on people. So it just it depends on if you. I'm just just yeah. just saying. In average, you know, the average person that actually stays in long term care for an extended period of time is, it, it, particularly in nursing home, is a lot le- lower percentage. Yeah. So you got to put all this in perspective. You got to make sure it fits you. The other interesting stat on that, Steve, is that the number of long term care insurance companies in 2002 was like 102 carriers out there there's only 12 back in 2009 so the industry has changed rapidly it so has don't know what that looks like in the future but um it's a it's constantly changing just you know continue to read continue to listen to us and we'll bring you updates on it yeah there you go and assisted living's become a huge mm-hmm. part of long-term care that people need to plan for too so you need to take everything and, and uh you know consider it carefully sure it's an important topic Okay, and that leads up to our first uh, main topic for the day, and that is article from American Funds about what if markets do correct. Um, you know, we've been sitting here for uh, probably a year, you know, almost on, a lot of people on pins and needles thinking the markets can take a big correction. It hasn't happened. You know, we've had a pullback here um, recently, and um, but, you know, we still haven't hit the correction level, so... Yeah, we're going to talk about, you know, putting that in perspective a little bit. Yeah, this is from American Funds, but I've got another article here from um, uh, Investment News, which is a journal that we we look at that talks about corrections. And, I mean, it's everywhere. People, there has not been a correction in the market in in a couple of years, and people are thinking this is it. And who knows? No one can predict it. But, you know, a correction is is defined as uh, a drop of 10% or more in a stock bond uh, index or some other mutual fund. So the year 2013 saw 45 record highs in the S&P 500 composite index. Um, So, you know, what they're saying here is that an upcoming correction is not entirely unlikely um, because there's been so many new highs. But that's just how markets work. And corrections can happen at any point and really in any market cycle. And, um, you know, so selling your stock or bond funds during one of these may not be the best move based on what we see after the correction. And that's kind of what we're going to dive into here a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would say that it, it's it's most likely not the best move. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. More than may not. I yeah, mean, yeah. You know, probably not. And unfortunately, there's a, there, this, this has been measured and proven true. I mean, uh, Dalbar is a company that does investor research, and uh, they have a study they do 
called uh, Quantitative Analysis of Investor Behavior. And, you know, uh, what they have shown is that you can ruin your returns if you start following your emotions Mm -hmm. and pulling out of the market every time the market corrects and trying to go back in. Because what they've shown is that historically people make bad choices when they do that. Yep. Right? I mean, they sell low and they buy high. You know, the opposite of what you should be doing. Um, really what you should be doing is just buying for the long-term period yeah. and not selling. You know? Doing some rebalancing periodically. Rebalancing you know? periodically. Discipline process. That's right. Not doing anything following emotions. And, yeah, their study published in 2013 showed that the average investor in equities in the stock market over 20 years um, had an annual total return that was almost 4% less than the S&P 500 index. Yeah, that's 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 huge. That's huge. I mean, 4% is absolutely huge. So you have derailed your return. You have yeah, it's devastating if that happens to you and you fall 4% short of where you should be over the course of 20 years. And what they show here was that someone that that invested $10,000 in that 20-year period they would have made $25,000 less than the S&P 500. So let's put a zero on that. Let's say they invested $100,000. That's exactly right. It's $250,000. quarter million dollars you'd be short. And, and it's we see it all the time. We see people that are trying to time the market, and it just doesn't. It just doesn't work. It's devastating. It is a way to shoot yourself in the foot, the leg, and even the head So when it comes to investing. <laughs> that's right. So here, here's the key. Let history be your guide. Since 1900, there have been 35 declines of 10% or more of the S&P 500. And of those um, 35 occurrences, the index fully recovered its value in about 10 months' time. So, I mean, we're not talking about 10 years to recover. We're talking about 10 months. Sometimes they're shorter than that. Sometimes they're longer. There's been 15 declines, Steve, of 20% or more, which is also known as a, a bear market. And that average time was 20 months. And so if you view investing as a long-term process, when these markets do go down, um, you know, and you do some rebalancing, you may be able to buy some equities low. That's a good thing, right? That's exactly right. That's buy low, sell high. That's what you want to do. So, I mean, if you look back at history, you can you can not make the emotional reaction that so many people do. And, and of course, there's no guarantee of the durations of future recoveries. Um, will be in a similar time frame or, um, as, as this article says, or even at all. Um, so unless you need your money in the short term, it might be prudent just to stay patient. Um, reach out, talk to your advisor, reach out to a trusted friend, do some research, call us, whatever. We can share some of these uh, data points with you and, and get you off the ledge a little bit. Yeah, that's exactly right. You need to manage your expectations. You know, since March of 2009, the S&P 500 has more than doubled in value with an annualized return of more than 20% through December of 2013. Um, so the S&P 500's total return, um, you know, had, over the past 50 years is... is 10%. 10%. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, we've seen a period with really outstanding results. Well, if you go back to that time frame, but if you go back to 2000... That's right. Have it really right. been that spectacular? It, it really hasn't been that spectacular. So, yeah, putting it in perspective, I mean, the market was down 58% yeah. from the high to the low. It needed to make 100% just to get back close to even. So, you know, I, I would put a little different perspective on that and just say that, you know, I, I don't think the market has been that outstanding over the past... 15 years right. or the past 10 years. So, um, 
you know, I think the market's really in a decent place. I really do. But we'll talk more about this when we come back from the break. So if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with uh, John Travis, who is uh, Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who's an advisor from our office. And uh, we are continuing our discussion here before the break about um, what if markets do correct? You mm-hmm. know, what if we do see a correction? I mean, we have those. Pretty frequently, it's a normal part of the market cycles, and um, you know we haven't had one in a while, John. So people are getting nervous about that. It is, and I think you know, Steve, what we uh, understand and what we communicate with our clients is um, no one can predict the future, right? That's and right. Um, a lot of people try to do that, but if you look historically, uh, market corrections are pretty normal. It says the S and P five hundred is corrected uh, thirty five times. Since 1900, we've seen some other stats of some other ones. It's a little bit more frequent depending on how you're invested. But the other danger of, of trying to time this is, um, you know, you lose out on return because typically they recover within 10 months, roughly, and the average investor per Dalbar, the study that we looked at, makes about 4% less historically um, in this 20-year window than if you would have stayed invested. So it's it's dangerous to... Try to time it. Yeah, that'd be devastating if you come in four percent low of your long term target, you know. Um so you you just gotta ride it out. You just cannot let your emotions get wrapped up into um, you know, following the ups and downs of the markets and trying to second guess where the market's gonna go. I mean, that's been proven to be a losing strategy mm-hmm. time and again over the years. You just gotta you gotta pick a good allocation, rebalance, stay invested resist the temptation we've seen so many clients yeah. that followed that temptation during the great recession here you know a number of years ago and they almost always I, I would i don't know if i can think of a single example where somebody bought in lower than they got out mm-hmm. they buy in higher yeah and that means it costs some money and if they do miss any of the downturn they miss just a little bit of it and it's very short-lived typically so you know, from our perspective, you know, it's a devastating decision to start getting wrapped up in your emotions and following that. Yeah, I think the key here, Steve, is is thinking long term, right? I That's mean, it. you know, you got to look at your situation. How long before you're going to need the money? Um, you know, if you're looking at a retirement, you know, let's say you're 60 years old and, you know, your life expectancy is 20 plus years. I mean, that's the long time frame that we're talking about. Um, so typically, you know, if you think long term, you can get through these because the data shows us that the markets typically do recover. And, um, you know, it's it's when you think short term, you become a trader. That's you right. You know, long term is the investor. So focus on the investing piece of it. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. They mentioned two emotional tendencies here. Um, one of them is called recency biased where everybody tends to look through the lens of what's happened recently rather than long-term history, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other one they mention here is called the herd mentality. And this one really hits home for me because I was reading just a couple days ago um, an article where there were 450 sheep. You know, sheep are going herds, right? Mm-hmm. And they always follow one another. Well, over in Ireland or somewhere in Europe, 
450 sheep died because one of them fell off a cliff and the rest of them jumped Followed. off with him. As soon as they moved, they all started moving together. And the, the shepherds sat there and watched in horror as like 1,500 sheep yeah. jumped off the cliff. The entire herd for this whole village jumped off the cliff because one of them fell off the cliff. And uh, it's interesting because the, about 1,100 of them landed on the other bodies and were okay, you know, but <laughs> oh, the first 450 died. Oh. That's what happens to investors. That sounds like the stock market, you know. It does. You've got to have a good shepherd. That's number one. You've got to have a good shepherd, number one. And two, is you can't be like a stupid sheep, okay? I mean, you cannot follow the herd mentality just because all the talking heads are talking about a correction and getting out of the market. You've got to ignore that stuff. Well, in the recency, when I mean, you look back to 2008, 2009, I mean, people feel like every time the market drops a little bit, it's going to repeat. And uh, 2000, you know, the eight, the Great Recession of 2008 was a very unusual event. I mean, they do happen. Uh, could happen in the future, but for it to repeat like that probably is unlikely. I mean, you know, the markets right now are looking at some international events as, as the as the challenge versus, you know, financial markets and credit uh, being the issue. So, exactly. you know, you got to look. Uh, one of the strategies, Steve, that we look at and we talk about is rebalancing. That's simply, you know, if you have some bonds in your portfolio and the markets do drop, you can sell a little piece of the bonds and you can go buy some equities when they're low. I mean, you know, we don't know when the markets are going to turn or how low they're going to go, but this rebalancing can take advantage of the market dips and not trying to time it, but a scheduled rebalancing, right? That's exactly right. <clears throat> yeah, you got to look at a downturn as an opportunity <clears throat> to rebalance, and, excuse me, and do some, do some uh, you know, selling and buying in your portfolio to get you back on target. It protects you from getting out of balance and, and taking on more risk because you're getting overweighted in one or two asset classes. But it also is a disciplined way to force you to sell a little bit of what's high and buy a little bit of what's low. Yeah, so look at this sell-off as a potential buying opportunity. Um, my son, Matthew, is a uh, is going to start in college at USC Aiken, and they had the tax-free holiday recently. And so buying a computer well that's seven percent off in south carolina so it was on oh, yeah. sale so guess when we bought it yeah when it was on sale well you know if you're a believer in market markets going up over time and capitalism working when the market does drop you can view it as an opportunity well you know it's like dave ramsey says he says when that happens stocks are on sale yeah that's right you know people like buying at things a discount. On sale. let's get them yeah, the other thing that this article talks about and we'll uh, we'll kind of wrap this up is make sure you consult your shepherd there you go. Or financial advisor. There you go. Yeah. You know, if you don't have a financial advisor, um, you know, Dave Ramsey is a good person to go listen to about this. He has a lot of great insight. He understands history very well. So turn turn him on. Go listen to Dave. Um, or go connect with a, an advisor that can educate you and teach you about these kind of events. We talk to our clients all the time about this because we do. can't predict the future, but we understand history very well, and you can pull some lessons from, from history in order to... to yeah. Or listen to a good radio show. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a good idea. Like the Money Doctors. Yeah, you know? you That's go. a great idea. Money yeah. indeed. You might... Right here every Saturday morning, right? There you go. There you go. Try to so, bring some sanity to all this craziness. you got to bring some sanity to it because it is crazy. You know, uh, if you listen to you know CNBC and all the talking heads and all the financial media, you will be buying and selling all the time, chasing returns, chasing hot markets, chasing hot assets, hot stocks. It's a losing strategy. You got to bring some discipline. 
Remember what they're doing, okay? They're selling ads. They are not trying to give you great investment advice. That's yeah. not what they're in the business for. You know, CNBC had all-time <laughs> ratings during the Great Recession. I mean, did just, they? No, yeah, they did. Yeah. I mean, because people were tuning in. They wanted to see what was going to happen that day. And quite frankly, I was watching it because I wanted to see what my clients were, were seeing and hearing and so forth. And, you know, Mad Money, Jim Kramer, booyah. You know, oh, yeah. Just turn he's that just, off. And he is just an entertainer. So you got to <laughs> keep is an entertainer, in perspective. That's for sure. You know, he's not... Not giving you great investment advice. Not getting paid for that. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that's a great article. Great, great topic. That brings us up here to the question of the week. Wow. This question is right up our alley on this yeah, one, right? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Markets are at all-time highs. What should I do? Uh, wow. I think we answered that, but <laughs> let, we'll try again. Let's summarize. Well, if you look back at, at history, um, Steve, whenever a market has done well and you look out 10 years, typically the 10-year return has been positive, right? So That's right. Um, you know, the next year could be negative, but in order to get a higher rate of return, staying invested is is the best approach. That's at least what we talk about and what we believe in. We see the studies and the stats from from Dalbar, right, that we talked about earlier, um, it's just dangerous to try to come in and out of the market. That's right. So what should you do if markets are all-time high? Maybe rebalance your portfolio, mm-hmm. right? I looked at somebody's uh, portfolio just last night that emailed me their current 401k allocation, and you know what? They were a little high in equities because they haven't rebalanced in a couple of years, mm-hmm. and equities have done pretty well. So mm-hmm. it's time to sell off a little bit of that, put a little bit in bonds, Get back in the right allocation. I have a couple of folks that I just met that I'm, I'm working with, and um, they want to retire next year, and they were about 100% in stocks. Um, so we decided to, to bring it down a couple of notches, so yep. they're about 70% in stocks. So they took some of those gains off the table, put them into something that's a little bit more conservative, that's going to fit their style and their appetite as they go into retirement, but they took a little bit off the table. So do yeah. some rebalancing. But it wasn't timing mood. It, it was a time. long-term perspective. Right. It was a change based on their current condition and where they were going That's from right. here. They'll, they'll be in retirement in the next six months, and it'll set them up that they can draw some income off of it and um, go play golf. Yeah, there you go. Vacations. Talking golf. about golf. That perked yeah. you up there. Oh, didn't? it did. Got my attention. <laughs> you know. But, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, resist the temptation to follow your emotions. Use the high markets as an opportunity to rebalance. You know, but gain some perspective, okay? Go back, study history, see where we're at. I mean, are we really at all-time highs? Is the, are the valuations high? You know, look at long-term history and get a global perspective. Also, how about international yeah. small stocks? They're not that high. It's a great point. I saw a stat that um, the China price-to-earnings ratio, which is one measure of yeah. the valuation of a market, is significantly lower than the U.S. So should you own a little piece of that in your portfolio? Maybe. I mean, it depends on what your situation is, but... Exactly. All right. Good question. Okay, well, that brings us up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages and GNN News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider. We have Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor in our office, and uh, we are leading off our uh, second segment here with a um, new topic, and that is taxes that can bite you in retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an article out of U.S. News and World Report. And, uh, John, you know, I mean, in retirement, taxes are 
likely going to be one of your biggest bills. You know, and yeah, particularly if you've saved in tax de- deferred vehicles, you have five hundred thousand in there. There's a tax bill. There's a liability out there to the government, which they will collect. And that's the thing. Most people, when they save money for retirement, they save it in a retirement plan, mm-hmm. right? And um, it's four hundred one k type plan. You know, and then it they roll over to an IRA as you should. But the problem is that's their entire asset, and that's where the majority of their money comes from. So everything they take out to take a trip or to buy a car, anything they do is taxable income. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you have to pay a lot of attention to taxes in retirement. Um, you know, and there's and, just a lot of factors to and it. And even before retirement, Roth IRAs are exactly. a great place to save. Um, brokerage accounts we there's, talk about sometimes. There's no doubt, yeah. There's if some you can, different strategies. We really believe in having some flexibility in retirement. So if you're not in retirement yet, mm-hmm. you know, you, you need to try to build up money in a Roth IRA or an after-tax account, tax, good tax-managed account, so that you have some flexibility in retirement. So every time you need money for a car or that great golf vacation, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend, then you you don't have to take money out of your IRA and kick you up into a higher tax bracket. You know, because if you have to take twenty thousand dollars out of your IRA, I mean that can throw you into a higher tax bracket, and you can really be hit hard. And we're going to point out here where it can really hurt you if you're in a zone where Social Security also gets thrown into the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some things you got to pay attention to when it comes to taxes and retirement, and not only for retirement, but you know, just just up till retirement. I mean, all the way through your life, obviously taxes, and with with debt where it is in this country. I mean, do you really think taxes are going to be lower in the future or higher in the future? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Think, think we. I think the writing's on the wall. We've already seen it increase in the last couple, you know, year and a half. That's it. You know, and and I mean, it's it's going to continue to creep higher. I, I really believe that. I mean, if you lived in Greece right now. I've read recently that if you make over $55,000 in American dollars equivalent, you're considered rich. Mm-hmm. You're in their highest tax bracket. Mm. You know, so, you know, we're that's what we're moving toward, you know, in our kind of gradual, very fast creep towards socialism here in the U.S. Such a, such a positive topic here, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Taxes are always... mine were about, like, you it's, know... It's hard to put a positive spin what on taxes do. here, isn't it? <laughs> But anyway, so, you know, that's why taxes are really, really important here. And so, you know, there's economists here from the Tax Foundation, Scott uh, Drinkard, that um, talks about this. And he says he thinks one of the driving reasons to move to Florida is not because of the weather, you know. I mean, it's partly because of the weather, but it's because there's no income tax there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where you live also plays a big part in in your tax situation in retirement. and so, you know, there's lots of states that have income taxes, but if your retirement income is high enough that you're going to owe taxes on it in retirement, you can reduce your burden by moving to a state with, with um, you know, income taxes that are, that are lower. There are seven states that don't have an individual income tax. There's Alaska, Florida, Nevada, South Dakota, Texas. Washington and Wyoming. That's a great place, South Dakota. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, most of these states are not states that you'd want to move to, right? Stay indoor for nine months of the year, but besides that. But, hey, you know, there's Texas and Florida, you know, I mean, so yeah, the, yeah. the point here is you need to pay attention to it. Um, you know, there's two other states, New, Brad, New Hampshire and Tennessee, that, that tax dividends and interest income only. Um, so those are also, you know, viable options, but... 
Yeah, yeah I mean, taxes are important, important in retirement. Yeah, but, you know, even if you move to one of those states, um, you know, you may be reducing your income tax bill, but your overall tax bill may not decline. I mean, you got to look at the property tax rate in some of these states. You may be paying more property taxes, um, you know, like in the state of Texas, um, then if you would have stayed somewhere else, the income and the property together. So property taxes, you've got to take into account that structure as well, because some places are extremely high. That's exactly right. Yeah, you know, I mean, in fact, I looked at an appraisal um, for one of our clients' property just yesterday, one of their houses, and um, he's probably listening this morning, and they live in Illinois, mm-hmm. and their property taxes in Illinois were $23,000. Wow. That's what it looked like from the appraisal. Nice. Now, granted, he has a huge house. Yeah. But still, that same house in South Carolina, I'm sure, would be about a fourth yeah, of, of what it that's was. a huge tax bill. That is a huge tax bill. So you have to pay attention to that. I mean, that can be easily be more than your income taxes. Um, if you're paying some kind of huge property taxes like that, so mm-hmm. pay attention to where you live. You know, pay attention to what what uh, you know city you live in. Cities also have property taxes. Um, there's local taxes that you know related to that. Uh, there just can be all kinds of things you get taxed. You get t- you know water, fire, all those fees you pay. Mm-hmm. Those you know, are nothing more than tax. As financial advisors, we can't guarantee too many things. No, but taxes. Definitely one of them. Yes. You know, so taxes will be collected. They will be there. They will. Either from the IRS or local governments. I mean that's uh that's a given. Social yeah. security tax as well. I mean death and taxes, what yes. say. Yep. Yep. Those are the two. There you go. And social security tax is another one you gotta pay attention to. Yeah, up to eighty five percent of your social security is subject to income tax and retirement. I mean if you have if you make um over forty four thousand dollars joint modified adjusted gross income is what they call it, Mm -hmm. for joint, you hit the threshold where 85 cents on the dollar of your Social Security gets thrown into that calculation. And most retirees, of course, are over that threshold, so they have part of their Social Security that are being taxed. But here's the thing. Until all of your Social Security is being thrown in that calculation, you're in a much higher marginal tax bracket. If you're in a 15% bracket with 7% state, you know, here in Georgia or South Carolina, I mean, you can add, if you add another 85% of every dollar into that formula, you have an effective marginal tax bracket of about 35 to 40%, John. Mm-hmm. Um, it may, may change your decision. It may change your decisions. That means, yeah, if you're pondering doing some part-time work in retirement um, and you're in that range of income, you may want to consider you know, that you're going to be paying 35 to 40% on any earnings that you make, not including payroll taxes yeah you know that level of taxes may tip your decision toward not working yeah absolutely so you got to pay attention to taking the tax situation bringing less home in the paycheck it may not be worth it no not that level of tax for sure so you need to pay attention um sales tax is another one of those um they, they you know they typically apply to you know most of the purchases you make um in retirement there are five states that don't have a sales tax alaska delaware montana new hampshire and oregon California has the highest sales tax of seven and a half percent, not including local you mm-hmm. know, sales taxes. Um, and state sales taxes seven percent in Indiana, Mississippi, uh, New Jersey, Rhode Island, and Tennessee. So, I mean, you have a sense of where your dollar to go. Um, 
you know, and you see the sales tax structure in the state and how it affects. So you have to pay attention to that. Also, a lot of local jurisdictions have sure. this lost. Yeah, you know the local option sales tax, yep. which we're we're voting on right here in Georgia. Yeah, again, that's right. Very that's right. And then we talked about property tax, um, affected by a lot of different factors: the state, the neighborhood you live in. So, you know, you gotta if you're if you're moving, you gotta take all these different taxes into account because they can add up uh, to be pretty significant amounts. Like you talked about up in Illinois, I know when I lived in St. Louis um, many years ago, they had very high property taxes up there. Um, so you got to yeah. factor that into your decision. Yeah, as most people do. Um, you know, now South Carolina and Georgia gives retirees a pretty big tax credit if they're over 65. So for retirees, this is a pretty good area as far as income tax are concerned. I don't know why we don't get smart and just, like, eliminate the income tax in South Carolina and Georgia, you know, and, and entice retirees to move here yeah. that way. Um, well, and think about how much potential more uh, revenue that would put into our local sure uh, economy yeah you know, having more people here it, it would make it more inviting you know for for higher um you know, wealthy clients sure but or you know people in our in our area then yeah spending money on restaurants and absolutely you know entertainment and th- yeah no, i agree yeah that's exactly right i mean some states give preferential tax treatment to social security and pension income um, there, there are a lot of states that are exempt or partially exempt all the Social Security income uh, as well. You know, most states don't tax Social Security income, but 14 states do. And so you just got to pay attention to where you live in, in the entire tax picture in all those states. Um, you know, there's also two states that uh, that have the lowest overall tax, according to U.S. News and World Report. Mm-hmm. So we'll cover that when we get back from the break. But uh, if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marber, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about taxes and retirement, taxes that can bite you in retirement. Um, John, you know, I mean, taxes are one of those things people like to ignore because it's not a fun topic. You know, it's not like golf vacations or something <laughs> fun like that. And, uh, you know, I mean, see, so you just, but but you have to pay attention to them because it's a huge expense. It's your big, one of your biggest expenses, if not the biggest in retirement for mm. most people. Yeah. And uh, it's easy to get burned with taxes. You know, I talked about there's a client that I have that just looked at his appraisal and he's paying like $23,000 a year in property taxes. Up in Illinois. Up yeah. in Illinois. Part of that's because you live in Illinois. The other part's because you have a huge house, you know, um, in South Carolina, it'd be a fourth of that. You could have half as much house, and you could it could be an eighth of that. You know, I mean, so you can save huge money depending on where you live, what size house you have. So that's one good idea right there in retirement is think about it before you live in a mansion or you go buy that, you know, that house by the beach that you know is valued at you know a million dollars. Yeah. Think about the tax hit. What's going to be the upkeep of that? It's going to be be a huge tax hit. Go live in South Dakota. They don't have any income tax. Or beaches. 
There you go. Yeah, there right. you go. <laughs> and there are two states, Alaska and Wyoming, you know, the only two states with the lowest income tax. But you know what? Florida is fourth on the list, and that's mm-hmm. why people move there. Yeah. Overall, their taxes are very, very low. And it's because they tax people on tourism. Yeah. You know, they're smart about the way they allocate their tax structure. But then the insurance is high because of the hurricanes. <laughs> if you get hurricane insurance, but if you live it inside the state. So, I mean, you just have to pay attention to that. You know, the thing you can do right is when you're leading up to retirement, you can save money in a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a huge one. Totally tax-free. You get more money in there. And so if you have the option of where to pull your money when you're in retirement, you don't have to take a big chunk out of your IRA and be yeah. taxed and kick you up into a higher tax bracket. People are surprised when they get into retirement, when they pull money out, how many, how much taxes are on there. I mean, oh, they you've got just, the federal and the state, and depending on what tax bracket you're in, if you have pension income, it can be a big hit. And they flip out sometimes. Yeah. I mean, they take money out, and they don't add it up how much they've taken out. And then at the end of the year, they get hit with a huge tax bill because they didn't withhold enough. Yep. Um, on that income. So, you know, make sure you, 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 you're you smart about where you live. You're smart about what size house you have. You're smart about how you save money. You know, put it in a tax-managed account. Don't have it in something that's just kicking out taxable income. Annuities sound great prior to retirement, but guess what? It's almost all taxable when it comes out. Mm-hmm. All the earnings are taxed to ordinary, ordinary income. income. Right. So, you know, a tax-managed account has a huge advantage you know, capital gains, if you're in a 15% federal tax bracket, capital gains rate is zero. Yeah, that's right. Right now, great way, place to save money for a retiree. Yep. Because most of them are in a 15% tax bracket. So, you know, I mean, there's some of the ideas that can call us or email us if you want more information about that or have questions at info at moneymd.net. All right. And that leads us up here to our uh, prescription? prescription of the week. There yes. we are. So, if um, got a question for you guys, if you were to pass away tomorrow, would your would your family be able to piece together your financial affairs? Do you have a one page document summary that kind of talks about you know assets, liabilities, you know things like that? That's yes. the prescription. Good. Yes. Good. <laughs> good. So that's, I haven't updated it since. Well, I think I updated it in December. Yeah, so I, I update mine once a year. Once and, a year, um, typically. Yeah. I actually sat down with with Matthew this last weekend and started a little net worth statement with him. He's got a, you know a couple small accounts and obviously no liabilities at this point. But it's just I kind of you know planted the seed with him a little bit to 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 talk with him. many people don't have that. So make sure you have. A one-page summary, you know, you can keep in your lockbox. You can keep it, you know, wherever uh, a safety place, but communicate where that is. Well, that yeah. is probably a good chance they have an app for that. Yeah, they probably do. <laughs> Just saying. They, yes. they probably do, yeah. but then they may not know the passwords of your iPhone to get yeah. into it to get yeah. that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, that is invaluable for a surviving spouse to have a list of everything you have, where it is, what the account numbers are, the phone numbers, um, you know, how much is in there, how it's titled. I mean, you got to have something to work off of, and that's yep. that's that's the key. If you don't have it, they're gonna have to put it together themselves. I have a document um, on my password file, and has like a hundred different login and passwords. Oh yeah, I have that. So too. I mean, that's another thing to to put in there. So exactly, yeah, that's that's really critical. So good, that's a great prescription of the week. All right, and that leads us up here to our last topic, and that is the 10 things that money that Americans waste money on. Yep. Um, it's a Dave Ramsey article, and, uh, yeah, these are good ones. I mean, people waste money on all kind of 
silly things, but uh, this here's 10 of them right yeah. here. Yeah, and, you know, Dave starts out by saying people don't really think about these daily money wasters, but but we need to. I mean, there are a lot of places in the daily routine that can, that can be um, cut and is wasted. So here are 10 things that he kind of highlighted on here. The first one is, <clears throat> excuse me, credit card interest. The only thing stupider than buying something you can't afford is buying something you can't afford at a high interest rate. On right? credit. On credit, that's right. So, you, you know, he basically says you don't get jacked for the extra money that you fork over. So, you know, I, I do run across people that have high interest, um, you know, and they you look at what they bought and they bought a lawnmower, you know, something that they couldn't pay for. So credit card interest can be a big killer. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, then there's these deal websites. You know, remember the last time you bought a, a laser hair removal deal for 78% off, you know, that, that startup one. place across town, <laughs> and you used it for the full amount within the specified time period and all the limits they put on it? No, neither does he, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you prepay for something... Um, you know, oftentimes it's going to go unused. I mean, many people even lose mm-hmm. or never use those gift cards you get at Christmas. Now that's why they're so. I mean, that's why the companies want to sell them. That's right. So don't prepay for anything yep. if you can help it. I mean, that's just it just doesn't make sense in most cases. And then there's appetizers, right? You go to the restaurant. Um, you know that lunch and dinner proportions are so big that you need a box to bring home the leftovers. <laughs> so why pay? Six extra bucks or eight dollars sometimes for the extra something, you know, appetizer that takes up room in your stomach so that you can't eat your entire meal. Yeah, and then you have to you go know? buy new clothes because you got the appetizer and that <laughs> costs you even more. So, just better yet, how, <laughs> better yet, how about buy the appetizer as your meal? There you go. Okay. I like that. And share it with somebody. And share it with somebody and order order water. How about the drinks? God, you're no we, fun. We talked about that before. I mean, drinks up there are just a huge killer whenever eating out. Yeah. Uh, we, we went over apps a couple weeks ago or yeah. several shows ago, and I think one was the Retail Me yep. Not. Yeah, Retail like Me that. Not. We actually used that this past weekend. Oh, good. And ended up saving nine bucks on, right. our, on our overall uh, purchase. So that was a, that was a great that is a great, great one, tip that we had there. Yeah, example. I, that was a good one. It actually covered the appetizer. There you go. I love it. <laughs> well, and you have two kids, too, so. Yeah, yeah. That, that works. Feeding hungry mouths. The fourth one here on the list is, is ATM fees. When a, when a bank that's not yours um, and you visit it and you get money out of an ATM, it, it charges you. And a lot of times it's like three bucks a shot. We generally don't recommend ATMs because you it's it's kind of like miscellaneous money. I mean, what did you spend it on That's you know, right. from a budget standpoint? It's like a black hole. So It, it evaporates. It does. It's, it's like the vapor in your hands. Yeah, plus it's a $3 charge typically. So stay away from ATMs um, just overall. Fifth one here on the list is overdraft fees. Uh, for these, Dave says, there's just no excuse. If you add correctly and spend less than you make, you'll never have a dime of overdraft fees. And and Fees are a result of sloppiness, and um, he's Dave says that's pure and simple. So you know that's something that you need to take care of the details on. That's right. Next one on the list here is speedy shipping. I mean, seriously, you know, do you really need whatever you're buying, whatever junk you're buying? Do you really need it in like the next day? I mean, come on. I mean, Amazon, you get it within like three days anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, just for regular shipping. So that's crazy. Don't pay extra for shipping. Just get it standard. You know, it'll come soon enough. Um, then there's baby designer clothes. I mean, they call these glorified stain gatherers, as, as Dave puts it here. I mean, why spend $20 on Feed Me or No One Sleeps t-shirts 
you know, that are three ticks away from being covered with breakfast and it'll grow grow in, in just like, what, six months or yeah. something. I mean, go to Goodwill, you know, or a garage sale for baby clothes. I mean, you can get great stuff for nothing. Yep. You know, for kids. Well, unused gym memberships. Um, unfortunately, my family, we've had that occur. I won't name who. Um, but, you know, a lot of times you can actually just go and walk on the track. They don't charge for that, I don't believe, right? They don't, you know, yeah. You can jog upstairs, around the block for free. So Lift a few weights upstairs there you go. if you're done. And you remember when we used to have three stations, NBC, ABC, and CBS? Yep. Well, now people have these premium cable packages, it, and they're cost. Hundred, two hundred bucks. Yeah, so and you can get almost all that stuff on the internet. Yeah, you can, you know, and then you got coffee trips and so forth. So, just f- focus on, you know, your emergency funds and your debt management, and try to reduce some of these wasteful spending. That's it. And the last one here on the list is the daily coffee trips. I mean, come on, get real. You know, spending five or six bucks every day at Starbucks or wherever you go. Dave calls I, it five bucks. It's just, yeah. I mean, that's just that's just crazy. I mean, brew your own. You know, buy buy a latte machine if you have to have the thick stuff. But you know, get over it. Yep. So, all right, good list, and that brings up the close here of this week's edition of Money MD with John and Steve. Tune in next Saturday from nine to ten a.m. There are more prescriptions for your financial help. And do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you um, at info at moneymd.net. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Money, money.